Introducing Christianity to Mormons, a new book by Mormonism Research Ministries' Eric Johnson is set to be released on September 13th. But if you'd like to get a signed copy, Eric will be at the Utah Lighthouse Bookstore on Saturday, September 17th from noon to 5, and we'll be happy to sign your copy. Once again, the bookstore is located right there at 1358 South and West Temple, just west of the Smith Ballpark in Salt Lake City. That's Saturday, September 17th from noon to 5 p.m. We hope to see you there. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Have you declared spiritual bankruptcy? Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Aaron Shafawalif, my colleague at MRM. This week, we're talking about witnessing strategies, because as we've often said on this show, we not only want to educate the body of Christ as to the differences between Mormon theology and New Testament theology, we want to share the gospel with the LDS people. Over the years, naturally, we have learned a lot of things as far as what seems to work as opposed to what doesn't seem to work. We try to listen to things that our acquaintance is saying to us that hopefully can be used as a segue to bring up another subject or another point that we're trying to make regarding the gospel. But this question, Aaron, have you declared spiritual bankruptcy? That's, that's a question that you have asked many Latter-day Saints. Why would you word it quite that way? Why would you think that would have an effect on them? Well, can I tell you a story to, to answer that question? Absolutely. So I was down in uh, Provo at the Provo City Center Temple, and I met an LDS mother with her four sons, and I asked her where she was from. She was from California, and she asked us what group we represented. So I said that we were born-again Christians, and she might call us evangelicals. She said she wasn't uh, aware of what our group taught, so she invited us to share our message, which I was grateful for. So I briefly described grace I said that God completely forgives a person when they look to Christ as the only worthy, qualified, and righteous one. And this person has a secure future of being with Christ forever. So she responds by saying that she believed the same thing as us. So I asked her, what would you say is the difference between those that are in the celestial and the terrestrial kingdoms? And we should explain to our listeners, if you're not familiar with those terms in LDS theology, the highest level of heaven that most faithful Latter-day Saints, at least, are trying to reach would be in the next life, would be the celestial kingdom. There are three levels within the celestial kingdom, the top level being where you really get all the benefits or the perks. You get to be the god over your own world. You get to be the head of your eternal family. You'll be able to procreate throughout eternity, and your offspring will worship you as a god as you, the Latter-day Saint, is now worshiping Elohim as god. Yes, so she answered that the difference between those that are in the celestial kingdom and the terrestrial kingdom is worthiness. She said the difference was worthiness. So I asked her, well, may I ask you, are you worthy? She replied that she was trying to be, 
Oh, we hear that a lot. She was repenting every day. So I asked her, have you ever had a point in your life when previously you were not forgiven at all, but then afterward you were completely forgiven? In other words, at one moment you were 0% forgiven, and in the next moment you were 100% forgiven. She replied this happened once in her life, and it was at baptism. So she smiled at me and she said this only lasted for about 30 seconds uh, because she sinned again. But she said that that was okay because she was doing her best to go forward. So I replied that as Christians, pointing to me, my friend, uh, I think Jeff was with me, we believe that no one does their best. So I understand that when people use that language, doing their best, uh, they might mean keep all the commandments, or they might mean try hard, even if failing often to keep all the commandments. But when we sin, I said, by definition, we are not doing our best. So what I explained to her is I said, a lot of religions have a kind of flexible backup plan. They start by telling their people, you need to keep all the commandments as the prerequisite for being right with God. But people start to realize, oh no, I, I don't keep all the commandments. Uh, so the, the, the standard gets personalized or flexibly downgraded to uh, be doing better, be progressing, uh, show some progress. And then you start to realize that you're a roller coaster sometimes in life, and that's not a very helpful standard at times. So you fall back yet again to maybe the standard can be try hard. Well, then you start to realize, well, when I sin, by definition, I'm not trying like I should. When I sin, sometimes I sin because I want to sin. So you start to realize, sometimes I just have a bad day and I need to repent. And I need to repent because I wasn't trying hard. So then you, you flexibly fall back again to an, another standard. And that standard is to have sincere intentions. So it just shows you that people keep shifting uh, the ground in terms of the prerequisite for being right with God. But but do you see a problem, Aaron, when it comes to LDS theology especially, because this idea of having good intentions, when you're judged by law, and in this case, certainly the LDS people, whether they want to admit it or not, they are trying to gain God's favor by keeping law. Spencer Kimball understood that. And when you read his book, especially The Miracle of Forgiveness, which I know a lot of Latter-day Saints don't like that book, maybe because I think Kimball is somewhat consistent when it comes to why Latter-day Saints should be keeping all the commandments all the time. And he does not allow for any of those excuses that you have been giving us here. Right. And when we sin, we're not exercising good intentions. By definition, we have ill intent. Uh, Otherwise, it wouldn't be sin right? So Christianity, I explained to this mother, is unique because it tells people to fall all the way back. Uh, We hit rock bottom, in other words, and we conclude no matter what fallback standard that I resort to, I will fail. No matter how God personalizes the obedience standard to our circumstances or to the light that we have, we will fail. What Christians must do, what what a person must do to become a Christian, to be saved, is to declare spiritual bankruptcy. It's basically deciding we can't pass the test. We have to go to the cross 
We have to empty our hands, come to Christ and say, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. So you bring empty-handed faith, and by that you receive the free gift of eternal life, having recognized that no matter what, no matter what fallback standard you use, that's not going to make you right with God. You need someone else's substitute worthiness. It's kind of like what Jonathan Edwards said, we only come to Christ with our sin, which causes the need for us to be saved. That's all we have to bring is our sin. And I've often used this illustration with Latter-day Saints when they talk about doing their good works. I want to remind them that your good works are only as good as you are. I had a great conversation with a, an LDS tour guide back east, and this, this came up in the course of the conversation. He admitted that he was a fallen individual. He admitted he wasn't perfect. He admitted he didn't do everything he was supposed to. And yet, at the same time, he felt that his God was going to overlook this. Well, that's not what LDS theology teaches. He's not going to overlook an individual's sin. He cannot look upon sin with the least degree of allowance, according to Doctrine and Covenants, section 1, verse 31. And he didn't seem to understand that. He didn't seem to grasp that, even though that's in his own scripture. If you need evidence from the Bible, and we do, we need to base this on what the Bible says, that we need to declare spiritual bankruptcy and, and stop resorting to these, these pitiful obedience standards as though they can make us right with God. Look at Romans chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. Paul says, When a man works, his wages are not counted to him as a gift, but as his due. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him or trusts him, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So what must you stop doing, according to this verse, to be justified? You must stop working. And you can ask, well, what kind of working does he have, have in mind? The kind of working that strives to be justified by works. And what must you start doing? You must start trusting God, and not just any God, but the God who justifies the ungodly. So this is a particular way to approach God. You empty your hands and you say to God, I've got nothing to offer you. I am a broken vessel. There's no obedience standard that will make me right with you. Would you please just forgive me because of what Jesus has done on the cross on my behalf? Would you please count Christ's worthiness to me on my behalf? Would you please, as it were, give me a free temple recommend that Christ himself has earned and uh, proven himself worthy of? And would you just write my name under his? Father, would you please give me the free gift of forgiveness and justification? I'm approaching you as a beggar. I've got nothing to offer. That is when a person becomes saved. Now, wouldn't you say, though, Aaron, some a Latter-day Saint, let's say, listening to what you just said, would caution you in the conversation, oh, but that's going to lead you to not want to live a good life. In other words, we would say that would be leading us to antinomianism, which, of course, we're not saying that at all. How would you respond to a Latter-day Saint who might object to what you just said? Not only does this stop Christians from doing works, it best empowers them to do good works. So consider a verse from Colossians 3 where Paul says, forgive as you've been forgiven. Paul's logic here is that I've been forgiven, and out of that forgiveness, I ought to be kind-hearted and tender-hearted 
and forbearing and forgiving of other people, uh, having in mind how God has already forgiven me. John says, we love because he first loved us. I'm best and most empowered to keep God's commandments when I start with the free gift of eternal life and justification. I often will remind Latter-day Saints that if they understand grace, that they're going to go out and purposely sin, they probably don't understand grace. It's as simple as that, because if we're changed from the inside out, God changes our heart, changes our ways. We have a whole new perspective on life. We have a whole new perspective on the seriousness of sin, which I think is something that is many times lost on many who profess to be Christians, but probably aren't really possessing the Christian message in their hearts. Certainly, we do want to do things that give honor and glory to the one that saved us. I don't know how many times we need to say that, but I think we should keep saying that because that's absolutely true. And when you talk about it compels us to face the cross because we realize we have nothing to offer in this whole transaction, if you will. Uh, Everything is Christ given to us. And that changes our our whole perspective on everything. So we're going to continue talking about various witnessing strategies in tomorrow's show. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.